Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! Well, none of us hit the Powerball, so we're all here today. I don't think any of us hit it. Uh, I'd be you, here anyway. I would too. Don't you find it? I would have a spike. For one more day. I was looking. I, I wouldn't have pants I was going to say one more week, but I'll give my two weeks. I'd be naked from the waist down. <laughs> I just feel like this. I'd be like, guess who won the Powerball? Winnie the Blue What's over up? Here. <laughs> and they'd be like, you're fired. And I'd be like, Here's I'm my promise around. to you guys, okay? I buy, yeah. I buy tickets when it gets to like 500 yeah. million. Right. Makes no sense to me, but go on. I know. Because my chances of winning. The big number still goes down because more people play. But my sure. question is, is $200 million just not enough for no, you? No, not All really. Like, what would I do with that kind of money? Here's why. Here's why. It doesn't penetrate my psyche enough mm. to make sure that uh -huh. I put, make it part of my you day. you got to like right. have like SpaceX. The bigger right. it gets, the bigger the story gets. But I'm going to go on record right now. Yeah. If I get the Powerball, yeah. Mikey, everybody on the staff, everybody yeah. on the staff yeah. gets $2 million. No. Ev Everybody. That's, that's too generous. No, it's not. Right, I'll take it. I, I, I told yeah, Betsy let's go, and Carmen and and Christy, my co-workers upstairs, yeah. that they each get $5 million. You're going to run out of millions. Wait, wait, wait. Why the hell do they get more upstairs Well, than we get down here? I've worked with them longer. They've been, they've been, they've been on the camp longer. Yeah, but they're dog. on TV longer, which means they have more money than we do. Hey, hey, I Ur guarantee I've made more <laughs> graphics for you, Jay, than those people have combined. Hey. I'm giving you two mil, bro. Hey, Ur take it. Uh, no Ur Ur let's not get greedy. Right. I'll be happy with two right. mil. I mean, I suddenly even, two became not enough. another penny. All the brothers is, y'all do too much. White people be doing, let that man give us two million. Yeah, we want five. I know, right? I take a hundred thousand. This is pre-tax. That's my question. Is this pre-tax? I will make sure that you roll with two million. So when it's all said and done, I'll pay your tax. Now, yeah. Now, would, wow. you, would, 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 your, would your children have to work anymore? No. Uh, they, you retired them? I mean, if, I would hope they would decide to work. Right. <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I would hope they... I, I'm, I'm blessed enough that yeah. <laughs> the message that my father drilled into me, I drilled into my kids. All Do right. something you love. You'll never work. Right. Yeah, you'll yeah, have a okay. job, but you'll never work. We don't work. No. no. We it's really fun, don't. Though. We are among the blessed. Yes. I said to my wife, especially since we've been doing this, I'm like, I just feel like it's another thing I do in my day. Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like I work anymore. Uh, a fun I thing mean, that you do that we get a lot of enjoyment out of. Not that this. it's easy. We're, you know, not anybody could do this. So let's right. not poo poo what we do. Sure. But we have so much fun. All we do is laugh for two hours. That's for it. Well, we fight occasionally and we mostly laugh. And so it's just a part of my day that I enjoy. I left out the lead. That. I'm going to give the show an operating budget of $3 million a year. There you go. Nice. In, in, until I Let's die. Go. Yes. Until oh. I die. Yep. So I'll build that in that every single year there's yes. a $3 million check that goes to it. this show. I just need to get you to win. make sure that we can go on remotes like when the Browns make the Super Bowl. The show's yes. going. Spring yes. training. Period. But we will still be sponsored by PCC Airfoil. Yeah! 100%. I would. <laughs> They're coming with us. They're coming PCC with us. PCC is the old faith. That's yep. right. I don't know that there is a better business partner to have than PCC. I can't PCC. imagine. Yeah, right. They've been with us through the thin times. They're going to be with us through the thick times. That's, the that's exactly. times. You <laughs> can give them 10 grand, too, just for the heck of it. We love PCC. Yep. We're going to paint How? the outside of your oh Minerva building. Bull. We're going to yeah. paint the outside of your Minerva building <laughs> with our money.
<laughs> just like saying Minerva. How many shows <laughs> yeah. give the advertisers jingles? Right? I don't think that's ever been done since like I the heard. 50s when news anchors would not smoke really. Chesterfield right. and in happen. the middle of the show they would like roll a commercial in. By the way, Chesterfield cigarettes, if you want to sponsor us Chesterfield cigarettes, we'll smoke through this entire show if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sitting here like By this. the way, <laughs> speaking of cigarettes, I know we're totally off track here, but Whenever I see Us? somebody buy uh, cigarettes now, it's always shocking to me because I don't know anybody. There's nobody in my life personally that I know. I'm with you. Friend, coworker, anybody. I'm with you. We that I know circles. that smokes. Yeah. You, hey. <laughs> we run in such different circles. You know a lot of people that smoke. I know a lot well, of Well, you're in comedy clubs yeah, every 10 seconds. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's so, true. But, but I don't like know anybody. It's $8 a pack. Yeah. It's crazy. So I don't know how they afford to do it. I'm, I'm in the 7-Eleven yesterday in, in Lakewood, mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't even know what I bought. I can't remember, but I'm sitting there in the car, and this guy walks out with two packs of cigarettes. I'm like, man, people still buy cigarettes. People are yeah, still it's still a thing. It's always stunning to me. The well, last person I knew that smoked cigarettes, rest in peace, the great Michael. <laughs> well, not because of this. I, yeah. I, I'm not making a joke, but was Michael Stanley. He was a smoker. Yeah, yep. he did. Did you know I mean, Michael well by the end? I met him oh. and was always – my first concert was Michael Stanley Band. Wow. Let me yeah. tell you something. That's the most Cleveland thing I've heard he was, all day. He and, cool. and I worked I'm glad with Michael that I'm able to say that. For years. Mm -hmm. He would I, he would come in at, at the at the radio station because he was right next to me for yep. seven years together. We would talk sports every day. We'd talk sometimes politics. We would talk television shows. He could not possibly have been a nicer guy. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah. And he was I, kind I, I, I to everybody that. he met. For our, for our Icelandic viewers, <laughs> Michael Stanley was is, was a recently deceased regional rock star here in Cleveland who sold out our largest music venue, Blossom Music Center, three nights in a row in like 1983 or something Which like no that. Which no one does. Which is just an enormous place. He was, he was, a, man. He was a huge deal around Miss him here. every day. And uh, he, he recently passed. And him and Les Levine, who passed around the same time. Les, yes. Miss both those great, guys. Another great. Great people. Uh, busy hey, show today. Jay, before we get in here, we yeah. mentioned comedy clubs a second ago. Uh, I will watch Major Leagues by Thursday. We will do, oh, great. Every <coughs> Friday we'll do a Major League movie review. My right. parents were here this past weekend. I'm not going to tell you guys who their favorite panelist was prior to this visit. Well, I would hope not. They did meet Mike Polk this weekend. Mike Polk is now their favorite. Now their favorite. We went to Mike well, Polk's show on Well, how Friday could he night. not be? Well, his dad met yeah. me drunk, so that helped probably. <laughs> was, were you drunk or his dad drunk? It was like a mixed bag, yeah. I'd say. But no, yeah, All he was right. a lovely family. And Mikey McNuggets' dad is exactly what you would expect him to be. Yeah. Like, you can oh, see I... where people come from when you meet their parents all the time. Right. That's funny. Upbeat, utterly enthusiastic, and yeah. uh, very proud of his You son. know, I've met your father. I haven't met Peggy. I right. Don't I don't know if you have. No, I have not. Yeah. But I will say that about your father. Yeah. I mean, I... You get a dose of where we come from. Yeah. But then you meet the other person, you understand where the balance comes from. Like, I'm mm. sure we're all combinations of our parents. That's true. And so I can yeah. tell you, uh, I can actually probably tell you everything about Mikey McNugget's mom just by meeting his dad. And I'm just like, you subtract the dad, and then I know what you are now. But mm. your dad was a very nice guy. It was nice you guys come and check it out, Mike. Thanks. Very interesting. Uh, busy show. State of the Browns. Who's the leader? Yeah. Do they have a leader? Mm. Can you can you anoint a leader? Are they born? These are questions that they're asking over in Berea right now. Mm. Jim Tressel, longtime coach of the Buckeyes, once a national champion coach of the Buckeyes, nice. now the president of Young State, Youngstown State University. He this is his last year. He's calling in a career after this. He's going to join the program. He's uh, going to call in at 11:30. And Aditi is going to talk Browns, and I'm sure she's going to have some things to say about the Steelers because. You know, we do talk Steelers with her. She, she knows the Steelers well. Mm -hmm. Their team, very much like Cleveland, trying to find themselves, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going on over there. So uh, let's dive in with our Browns talk. And yesterday, for a, for a brief moment, I felt that the Browns were going to strike a deal with the Jets to send Kareem Hunt to New York because they, of course, lost their top running back for the season. 
uh, didn't happen. They instead gave a sixth round pick. I think it's conditional. It could move up to a fifth round if he Correct. has 600 yards rushing uh, for Robert, James Robinson. Yeah. So he's now a, a New York Jet. And I, I was a little disappointed at the price. I think Kareem Hunt is a better back. Right. I'm guessing that the Browns had conversations with the Jets, which is probably why they confirmed publicly that Kareem Hunt is on the trading block. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're working a deal with New York, you're not going to keep it a secret. Someone in the media is going right. to find out. So they at least came out and said, oh, by the way, yeah, we are officially shopping Kareem Hunt. Um, should they do that deal? Should they move Kareem Hunt? Or is it possible that he, comp- he becomes a piece later this year for a playoff push? You tell me, Garrett. <laughs> yeah, start with me. <laughs> See, he's giving up on the season. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking you're gonna you're gonna sell him. You know, well, before I tell you, you know, it, I will say it's kind of demoralizing um, because I'm a person who it, I love I love pieces, I love parts, I love talent, and uh, a lot of coaches say you can never have enough talent, but I'm starting to figure that out. Like it, throughout regular all sports, right? If you got a big four or a big three. It's very difficult to, for coaches to get one of those guys involved. It's always going to turn into more like a two and a possible. You know, that, that third wheel is not going to be what he was anywhere else. And that goes for basketball. And for football, you, you look at it right now. You got Dearness Johnson. You got Kareem Hunt. You got Nick Chubb. I would have never. You got Jerome Ford. You got Jerome Ford. You drafted a guy. So you got four running backs. The one running back you got is the best in the league. And, and people stay, say he's not getting the ball enough. But with Kareem Hunt, it's like you would have thought he would have been a more vocal part of this offense more. Uh, and we saw the first game against the Panthers. We were like, hey, this is what we've been asking for. This is it. And then slowly but surely it dwindled down. Um, I, I just think it was very, it's very difficult for people to get a lot of guys in, into, uh, into the swing of things. And so it's disappointing because, you know, I, Kareem Hunt's a really good football player. But even at 2-5 and five at this point, I mean, you, you don't have very much draft capital. You don't have, uh, you, you know, your quarterback coming back within the next couple of weeks or whatever the case may be. And so you, you sit here and you say, I need to get better at some places because for me, I'm starting to look around and I'm starting to re- rethink how good I thought players were because I don't think Delpit and, and John Johnson are are some sort of game breakers. They can be replaceable in that in their back end. You need defensive tackles. Your linebackers are looking like they, they're not very good. So now so you want other pieces or draft capital. I, if they, you need draft capital to get some other pieces. They need so, to do so both. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're, you're not saying you're not saying get those other pieces in this year. You no, want picks. Yeah, you got and I'm not a pick guy, but I, I'm looking at this roster and there's holes, man. There's, and we didn't think about it because we thought it was top five. Not only is it not top five, I, I, I came to this conclusion by just watching the Bears last night. <coughs> and I watched what the Bears did. The Bears are a bad football team to the Patriots and just how soundly the Patriots beat us. I said, man, we in a whole nother situation now. So, yes, long mm-hmm. story short, uh, Kareem Hunt, I would have loved to use him. But if you're not going to use him right, you might as well get the team better and get somebody else from other pieces of parts, man. I would say, first of all, on the Bears thing real quick, everybody's bringing up the Bears as an indication of how bad the Browns are, and there's no debating the Browns have been bad. However, oddly enough, Bill Belichick defenses have struggled against running quarterbacks, even yeah. guys that aren't great. That's true. And I was reading, somebody was sent me this thing that said the reason his teams have often struggled with running quarterbacks is because 
his defense, he builds his defense not on athletic ability, but on cerebral, really smart players that are always in the right place in the right time. So if you have a quarterback where the play breaks down and he just runs, mm -hmm. that his players on defense are not athletic enough to deal with that sometimes. And that's right. been an issue. Nick Saban has had the same problem at times with athletic quarterbacks. In terms of Kareem Hunt, Jay, to me, I would – ideally, I would like to keep him for one more week because okay. I think if you beat the Bengals – and again, on paper and the way they're playing right now, the Bengals should win. However, the Browns, for whatever reason, on have paper, played – On the very... Patriots beat the Bears last night. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. On grass, it was a So it doesn't matter. Whitewash. And the Bengals are only a three-point favorite. I know the game's right. in Cleveland, but it's not like they're a double-digit favorite. They're a three-point favorite. And the Browns have played well, for whatever reason, against the Bengals over the last couple of right. years. Okay? So – Ideally, I would wait. If they lose to the Bengals Monday, I'd ship his ass for whatever I can get on Tuesday because the deadline's Tuesday right. or Monday night. However, if I got blown away with an offer this wait, week. when is the deadline? I believe it's next Tuesday. November 1st, right? Yeah, but my question there, is yeah. it midnight? October no, I think, it's, I think it's like 4 p.m. Because that right. would be a problem. ESPN right. special on the deadline starts at 3 o'clock. Right. So on on November 1st. On yeah, on that so Tuesday. It's, it's probably close of business then on it's the It's close of business right. on Tuesday. Okay. So there is time on Tuesday. Right. And, you know, but, but so I would wait. But if they got an offer anything close to what the Niners got from McCaffrey, uh, what the Panthers got from McCaffrey. Yeah, that was a haul. I would do it. Now, do I think they're going to get as much? No. McCaffrey's better than Hunt. I don't think there's a huge gap personally. I don't either. And they have the same skill set. However, the Panthers had the advantage of McCaffrey wasn't going to be a free agent. Right. Whereas Hunt they is. They had control so, over him, and now exactly. San Francisco does. Exactly. Now, they that's got a, a big difference. They're renting a player for right. the back half of the season, and exactly. that's it. And I don't think they're going to get much more than a third or fourth. Right. But you got to get more than you got. For, I'm not trading for a sixth-round pick. God, that, no. What's the point of doing no, that? I'll keep them. So, if I could get maybe a three out of four. Wow. I don't know that I can get that much. No, that'd be great if you but could. But if I can, then I would do it. Because the bottom line is, they're not using Kareem Hunt. No. They're not using him. And if we're only going to use him eight plays a game, well, Dearness Johnson can do that for eight plays a game. Yeah. So, what's the point? Now, I would, as we all would, like to have seen Kareem Hunt play a lot more this year. But that's not happening. So, if we're not going to use him and I can get a good trade, I would do it. I Mike, certainly would. Mike, what do would. you think? Um, I th first of all, I think we should say that the experiment was worth it as far as he wanted out in the offseason if you'll recall he wanted to trade mm -hmm. he mentioned that and we said no you're gonna stick around we probably his value would have been higher than we might have gotten something for him but we still had hope at that point and I remember you talking about this earlier in the season Bull. this is still not a wasted season even if we end up bombing out until Deshaun gets back right here because we made we hopefully have our long-term solution at quarterback in this season really was a way of saying, you know what, maybe it'll work out. Maybe somehow uh, we can get lucky, we got some easy early games, and we can stay in shape long enough to get it, be the playoff hunt when we get back. Well, that didn't work out. No. And now we have to yeah. look at the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is that we are playing for next year right now. We have to, our, our main focus should be, unfortunately, I'm sorry everyone, but it should be to try and be as good of a team and be as prepared next year as we can possibly be and do everything we can to try and make next year's team better at the sacrifice of this year if that's what so it takes. So you're moving soon. I would move, yes, I would move him if the offer is right. Again, I wouldn't do it for a six-round pick. It's not worth it. But if somebody comes at you with a good offer right now, what, what's he going to, even if he is able to get us that one extra, you know, win or something like that, this year it doesn't do us all that much good. And I think that the long-term move is to try and do whatever we can to set ourselves up for next year as best as possible. And 
What's also something to consider that makes this even a little bit trickier as far as having to watch this team for the rest of the year without Kareem Hunt is that looks like we're probably also going to be without David Njoku for uh, a, at least a few games. Yeah. Kareem Hunt can act, sort of act as that hybrid, almost tight end, fullback. He can play, you know, ca- uh, pass catching. Could have used him that way. Yes, yeah. we could have used him that way. It's not like we have or anything like no. that. But it, it stinks seeing that happen, too, with, the, with that kind of an injury where he could be more helpful. The other thing that obviously stinks is that no matter how bad we are this year from here on out, doesn't do us any good because we don't have our first round pick this year. So it's not exactly like we're tanking for the heck of it. So we're this horrible, weird position where we do want to win. We want to maintain hope, but we mostly have to be concentrating on where we're at next year. So they, they would be uh, they would be completely negligent if they were given an offer this year to try and just keep Kareem Hunt around for the rest of what is at this point. Uh, going to end up being just a essentially a training camp for next season. As yeah, far as I'm concerned. Th- this is a tough one. It really is. I, I, I was of the mindset that you if you're going to move them, move them before the season. Mm-hmm. And the reason I said that is because we've never used him prop, prop, properly. No. To me, he's Duke Johnson 2.0. <coughs> I thought Duke was wildly talented. There was a game that we played the Jets a number of years ago. He had long uh, a, a drop pass that went for like 75 yards. It was clear he was the only football player on the team. And I just thought, why isn't he getting the ball 15, 20 times a game? Mm-hmm. And I know he wasn't, you know, your big prototypical yeah. Nick Chubb type. He's back. not as good as Kareem Hunt, but he had a similar no, skill set. Exactly. He yeah, had that I kind think, of skill set. I think there's two Kareem Hunts. There's Kansas City Kareem, who was an MVP caliber player. Mm-hmm. And then there's Cleveland Kareem, who is an underutilized player that the team has forgotten is on the roster. Six touches in a game last week that I said going into it, you got to treat like a playoff game. This keeps your season alive if you win. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult because now the price for Kareem Hunt is likely going to be one or the other, probably a third or a fourth. I would I doubt very seriously they'll get two, considering what, what the take was for Robinson. And here's why. You're halfway through the season. Yeah. Here's the other problem. The team that's going to trade for him is a contender, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they're likely going to pick later in the draft. So true. even if it is a third, but it's late in the third, it almost That's feels true. like a fourth. If it's a fourth and it's late in the fourth because <clears throat> the team makes a playoff run. Right, sure. Then it's, and here's my biggest fear. Here's what I really – I believe this is going to happen. He's going to go to the Colts. Yep. Or he's going to go to the Vikings. Or he's going to go to the pa- – not the Packers. Well, but here, them. the Bills. It, the Bills. The what Bills? if he goes there? Oh, my gosh. I can't God. believe the Bills haven't picked up the phone and said, what's the price? Yeah. I man. really can't. Can you imagine him but, in that offense? You know, here's oh the thing. God. They've got the top-ranked offense already. I mean, for them, it would just be this. We need this is the piece we need to win the Super Bowl. But wherever he goes, yeah. here's what our reality is going to be. We'll watch him in January tap dance on NFL defenses. And we're going to say, we had that guy? And he was getting six touches a game? What? Yeah. I mean, what? Who? Guys, I, I see three teams like where he no makes a lot of situation. sense. <sighs> I see three teams where he makes a lot of sense. The Bills the Rams, and the Cardinals. They None of those teams, those teams all have pedestrian running backs. You know what, Bull? The team that I said, yeah. at the, you kept saying, well, who's going to trade for him? Who's yeah. going to trade for him? Right. And we were having this discussion yeah, I remember. In the, yeah, before yeah. the season, and I said, trade him. Yeah. I said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because they don't have a running back. And when you look at what's happened to Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette is not Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. And when when you watch Tampa Bay, what you realize is, Tom Brady is stoppable in the way that Nick Chubb is stoppable if you know that he's going to be the horse. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't stoppable early in his career. 
But it, he's later. It's in the twilight Catches of his up. career. And he, he's had some availability issues with his receivers. He's got great receivers. I think if you put, if you put uh, Kareem Hunt in the Buccaneers offense, so all of a sudden Tom Brady would look like Tom Brady again. And I, I believe the Buccaneers could still make the play. They're in a bad division. Yeah, I, I think I don't they know. could win the division. I mean, really Fournette do. hasn't been that bad this year. He's he hasn't been, been great. Fournette. He hasn't been. No, he hasn't been Lenny. great. But you know, I, maybe we were talking about trading a top receiver for him, which team, I was saying team weren't going to do. Not that teams wouldn't be interested in him at all. Right. Well, no. At what the time, I, what our I was debate saying, was a, our, our yeah. debate was. You said who's going to trade for Kareem Hunt? Who's going to? No, trade no, no. Him? I said who's going to give up a number one receiver? And I, for yeah, him? my answer was right. The Buccaneers have receivers. Right, but I don't there. think they would have given up those guys. But I don't know for we'll a Kareem Hunt. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. I think honestly, and I made the mistake of drafting Evans and Godwin in my fantasy mm -hmm. league. Like, I knew what I was doing at the time. I talked myself into Brady was going to throw for five thousand yards, and that those have to go somewhere. So I took both. I think that they almost hit. Like, one of those guys would do with the top flight running back. Yeah. But they're a, they seem to be a real I, big mess right now. Ask, they are a mess. Can I, can I they're like a, us. Can I yeah. ask y'all a question? Please. Um, <laughs> man, it, it's, it's tough for me to talk about the Browns in, in the last week or so. I, I just don't have Yeah, you, you've been off. You have a terrible G, job uh, right yeah, now. I, it's I, funny I, that you say that, G. Sorry to cut you off, but I just want to respond yeah. to what you said. Because when I recorded my podcast this morning, I was planning on talking about the Browns and the Cavs. Right. I was planning on talking mostly about the Browns and then doing a little cap at the end. Uh -huh. And I was planning on starting with the Browns. And as I started the podcast, I literally said, you know, I was going to start with the Browns, but they're so depressing. I'm going to talk about the Cavs they for are. a while. Well, and right. I ended up talking about the Cavs for like 18 it, it minutes. It, that loss just took, <laughs> it took half my soul, bro. I'm like, yeah. dog, it, can you explain to, to some of the fans, right? Yeah. So if you got Kareem Hunt and, and the fans are sitting there looking at it, knowing that what he's capable of. But then the organization is telling you, well, it's not that he's not good. We just, we're just not doing anything. We don't want to. <laughs> They're telling us he's not good by how much they use him. How, if, how can yeah. you sell that to it's, a fan? It, it, to me, the only thing that makes sense, and I don't think this is the case, maybe it'll be proven out down the line, is, you know, it's like, I just assume that the Kansas City cream hunt is still there. Because outside of this year, when they have used him, he hasn't been as effective this year, but he hasn't had many chances, especially the last couple of weeks. But like every other year that he's been here, when he's been used, he's been highly effective. So I assume that Kansas City Hunt is there. I wonder if they think he's not that same kind of player anymore. It's the only thing I can think of I as think to why you would lost use him. in the play sheet. I, I do. I think. I, <laughs> I think what happens with the Browns and their play calling is they come into the game with the best intentions. They prove it on the first drive every every week. Mm -hmm. every they week. give it to Chubb. They give yeah. it to Chubb. They yep. move the ball. They score the touchdown. Then they do the play fake deep throw, and all of a sudden, Stefanski's like, whoa, maybe we got something in the back end of this secondary. Yeah. Let's yep. try chipping away at yep. that. Uh -huh. And then, and then he's lost. And yeah. then where's Chubb? Where's yeah. Hunt? They disappear for quarters at a time. Interesting real question. Do you think the incompetence – relative seemingly incompetence of the Browns coaching staff and their inability to utilize Kareem Hunt actually helps his trade value because other teams sure. say he might really be good, I but saw the Browns are so stupid yep. that they don't – if we use them properly, so <clears throat> is, does our absolutely. incompetence help, help his trade value? I think so. I, I, don't, I don't think that the Browns are incompetent. I think they've made a mistake here. I think incompetence is a little strong, okay. in my opinion. Well, right? as it pertains to but the use of the I running I think they've backs. used him poorly, uh, and I think – there are clearly, I agree with Jay and, and what you just said, there are teams that 
he's going to be their primary back. If he went to even even Tampa Bay, I mean, Fournette's been fine, but Hunt's better. Uh-huh. Uh, certainly in Buffalo, certainly in Arizona, certainly in the Rams, he's their best back. Think- and they have creative offensive play call. I don't know about Arizona in terms of creative, but certainly the Rams and the yeah. Chiefs yeah. Uh, and the Bills, Bills have very good play. Even the Chiefs, you know, what he my, could go back there too. My he could, but yeah. I, mean, I think that Solaire's been fine. I mean, I don't think he's the problem, right? Edward uh, Solaire. They just benched him this past. Or they, well, maybe they no, no. They benched him for Pacheco, but Pacheco only played eight plays. I know. Yeah, had, well, maybe you know like what? They don't love though. Clyde Edwards Solaire. He hasn't been great there. Maybe that is the play. I don't know, but Bull, here's the one caveat that I throw out there about trading him. Yeah. I always look at what Vegas is saying and doing. Always. Because mm-hmm. they're right. They're building, you know, Marvel Castles with our yes. money. Because mm-hmm. we're wrong. Yes. And they're right. And the fact that they have the Browns, only a three-point dog. Mm-hmm. If you, and you can't erase the history, but if you just take the history away from the Browns and the Bengals and the fact that they've really struggled against the Browns the last couple of years, the fact that they're only a three-point dog what I've seen with my eyes just last two weeks, Bengals mm-hmm. this way, Browns this way. Yeah. I would say seven points, maybe nine. So I at home. I know yeah. with Bull, I, I'm just talking about yeah. my eye test and what, what I'm seeing, how one right. team is completely a mess and the other team is figuring it out. But Vegas is smarter than us. So you think Vegas thinks and that the Browns are better than we do? No, they they think the, something is funny about this weekend's game because Again, I know in the standings it's only two games, mm-hmm. but just the eye test. I watched Cincinnati right. and their deep game is back. Yes. It's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where are we a mess with well, the back end of and- our defense? I would think if I'm just picking and forget, I'm not going to bet this. I'm going to say Cincinnati's a double digit favorite right. in my I, mind. I wouldn't think so. But they're so. saying not so fast. I would think three. more than three, not double digit because it's at home, but um, the interesting thing, too, is. If you look at the the Bengals are like the best fourth quarter team in football, and the Browns are the worst fourth quarter team in football. You know yeah. the Bengals defense. This is I didn't even I didn't even realize this, and I've watched them play every week. They haven't given up a touchdown in the second half of any game this year. Wow, I don't know how that's possible. That's insane. I almost feel like I read the wrong stat. You know why? I, I think that's possible because what we've learned is you can and you said this yesterday. Yeah. You can script the first fifteen plays and practice them all week and be yeah. really good at them. Hmm. But. That's not coaching. That's planning. That's true. Coaching is what you do when the door shuts at halftime. Mm -hmm. That's a fair criticism. What are we doing? How are we going to be better in the second half than we were in the first? Because they're making adjustments in the other side. Mm -hmm. And I think that's – I'm surprised that Stefanski hasn't been better at moving chess pieces late in the game. Right. Our fourth quarter defense is the worst in the NFL. Yeah. What that that's an indictment on the head coach. And and that is a strong endorsement of Taylor if they're making all the right moves at halftime. They're giving yeah. up a touchdown in the second half in the fourth quarter. That's did you say fourth quarter? Well, I, second I believe half. it was the second half. I gotta double so, check the stats. If it's the second half, I think it's half. the fourth quarter ball. Okay, fourth quarter. just the fourth quarter. That's okay, still yeah. impressive. That's, still that's when you win and lose games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's where the Browns have lost all their games this yes. year, with the exception of the blowout. And, yeah. and and I here's the thing. If you're Kevin Stefanski, you have to watch. You can't let this thing get out of control. Because if you spiral, and what I mean by spiral, here's the worst case scenario. When you go to business, when you go to anything, right? You have to think about what is your worst case scenario moving forward. Mm-hmm. Your worst case scenario is this. 
You trade Kareem up, Kareem Hunt. Mm -hmm. He goes to a contender. He's on TV every week because they are a contender, and he looks like the best running back in the league. That will really be bad for this, Kevin Stefanski. The second thing is Nick Chubb, because he does, like you pointed out, oh, he got third most carries. <laughs> he gets nicked up. He's out for the season. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you look at it. They play the games. Now you you, you go out of the bye. Your defense goes down. Now you look at it, Miles Garrett. He's already playing with a shoulder and an elbow. Oh, he could crater. Yeah. Yeah. And then the worst part is Deshaun Watson gets back. You think he's going to be like the, the miracle mirage. He's going to come out with the on the white pony and save the day. And then guess what? He looks like he hasn't played in two years. And you go three and something. Okay. Yeah. Listen, that's all bad. There's nothing you can do about it. The, the, that could happen. Certainly, that is the worst case scenario. The only bright light is, as Mike said, and it's hard for Browns fans to accept this, and I don't blame them, is that you will, in theory, have Deshaun Watson for a full season next year. And Browns have been listening to wait till next year you, for you forever. Can't, can't, yeah. I get it. But... The reality is that if Deshaun Watson is the quarterback that we think that at least you and I think he's going to be, and I think most of us think he's going to be, whether whether he's that guy in you know week twelve this year or it's not till next year or it's in game 15, 16, 17 this year, if he's that guy, then he's going to make up for other shortcomings along the way. And but he doesn't play defense. So so let me. Let I me, get it. Let me but give you this. As as bad as their defense has been. We've all agreed that they're at least four and two right, uh, at least five and two right now. If he was the quarterback, because the games have been close enough that even with the bad, he would have made, well, well, made a difference. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. If you want to be a champion, the only problem with that thought process yeah. is if you want to win a Super Bowl, right? That's where we want to go. We don't yes. want to be competitive with Super yes. Bowl. When you talk about some of the the things that they're doing coaching wise, those things travel. Just because he's he's giving you makeup. You can put you, you can take NyQuil all you want if you got cancer. That ain't doing nothing. NyQuil just masks the fact that you kind of it puts you in the daze and, and you don't feel the pain. You, you oh, everything is great. But when Deshaun Watson get here and you are a good team, those same faults are still with Kevin Stefanski. Those are built into what he does. So when you play a good team, yeah. when you play a great team. Those things pop up. He's not going to, in the fourth quarter, in the AFC Championship game, you think he's not yeah. going to do some of this? I, I but great we'll play find... makes everybody look great. Yes. Remember that? Remember when Baker went on just like a clinic a couple of years ago and we were like, you know who should be the, who's, who, you should be the head coach right now? Freddie Kitchens. Yep, talk that. So talk what I'm that. saying is talk that, that Freddie, because of Baker's play, because of some really advantageous play, all of a sudden we we considered Freddie Kitchens to be a head coaching candidate, yeah. not because facts. he was worthy of it, that's but a, because because, because a rising so tide desperate. a rising tide raises I, all boats. I guess we'll find out when Watson's back, and certainly by next year, assuming Kevin Stefanski is still the head coach, whether some of us are right that Kevin Stefanski is a at least a decent coach who needed a good quarterback. Or, wow, even with a good quarterback, he's still not getting it done. Is he Mike and Brown? Maybe... Is he Mike B Brown in mm -hmm. basketball? Ty Lue got the championship. <laughs> it's a great record. Yeah. Is this oh. Mike Brown? Because you had LeBron. You got, he carried you all the way. But, but when you got there, uh -huh. Mike Brown still said, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a JV coach. And uh -huh. every time – Popovich, all those Riley, all those guys tap yep. dance all around him. Mike Brown would be like, uh, he'd be like in a huddle, he'd be like, guys, here's what I think we do. LeBron's like, get out of the huddle, get out of the huddle. He's like, yeah, all right, I'll go sit down over here. Tell me how it goes, guys. <laughs> that was Mike Brown. Yeah, Woo! that was Mike Brown. I don't know. I'm not sure. The one thing that I will say that 
I, you, you're going to get less for him if you trade him next week. You'll get even less, you know, as the weeks go on. Yep. This is the last week after this yep. week. This is the last week they could trade him. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I want to find out, I want to find out who is Jerome Ford. I want to find out about Dearness yep. Johnson. Because if you don't have Hunt, one of those two guys has to be Hunt. And right. if you're yeah. two and six and the season is over, then you can start to find out which of those two guys is the guy you want to keep moving forward. Yeah. And one other right. thing before we bring in Jim Tressel. It's beyond me. I'll never understand it. We've complained about it so much. We've actually stopped complaining about it because we've complained about it so often. If I'm going into a fight with 11 people and I can get 11 people on my side to go fight them, I'm going to find the best 11 that I can find. And I'm going to say, now we can, now we can, now we got a chance. Mm -hmm. Especially if I have Mike Tyson on my team. (laughs) I can't just rely on Mike to swing and punch and knock everybody out. Because Mike's going to get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go find an Evander Holyfield. I'm going to find somebody else. And, I, and he's going to be in my 11. And as Mike is drawing attention, Holyfield's just picking guys off. Right. Why Kevin Stefanski hasn't decided to put Nick Chubb and Evander Holyfield and Kareem Hunt and Mike Tyson on the same field at the same time it will be my long-standing mystery around Kevin Stefanski yeah, because yeah. I don't when understand it. it's only one or the other. On a handful of plays this year, we've had both, and, and the plays have been successful. They've gotten first down because the defense touchdowns. is like we gotta yeah. we gotta pay attention to him, yep. and I'm, we gotta pay attention to him. I agree with that. We do defenses a favor when uh, yeah. we just put one of them on the I field. I agree with it. Although I'm, I'm thinking about it, like I, the team, the other teams that have two good backs, right? Like Dallas has got Zeke and Pollard. Um, well, the Broncos before Javante Williams got hurt. The Broncos, by the way, uh, there are teams that have packages for both running backs right. at the same time, and you yeah. see them frequently. We could, yeah. Green Bay is All the right. team that comes to mind. They, Green I think Bay, they call right. it the pony. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and they put yeah. both of their right. horses on but the those field. Those guys haven't had time. a great year this year. No, well, they because, haven't buried because Green offense. Bay doesn't have any receivers. Yeah, that's true. Okay, you had some fourth quarter stats, some second half stats. Was that Cincinnati hasn't given up a touchdown in the fourth Cincinnati quarter? Cincinnati is averaging, uh, allowing just two point one points per game. That's second best in the NFL in, in the fourth quarter. quarter. Okay, in just yeah. the fourth quarter. The Cleveland Browns dead last in the NFL, allowing ten points per game. So quite the difference. <laughs> wow, but it's a touchdown more Brown stuff right now. Doesn't matter because we have president of Youngstown State University, yes. Jim Tressel. Yes, we do. The great Jim Tressel. Jim, welcome Hi. to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. It's a thrill to have you on. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. How's your day going? It's wonderful. Thank you. It's sunny and 75 here in Youngstown. <laughs> yeah, as they say, we should get used to it because, uh, as as we know, it's going to be 40 in a day or two. I, I was sleeping with the air conditioning last night. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> that kind of weather. Last night. So, Coach, um, we'll get to the Ohio State stuff uh, in a little bit. But first, this is your last go-round as the president of Youngstown State University. Have you given much thought yet to how you'll spend your time after this year is done how what what will what will take up the bulk of your days well you know i've I've given a lot of thought to it and and it's uh like anything else it's hard to sort out uh, all of the various opportunities that uh you know we may have Uh, this is my 48th year in higher education and both jobs have been seven days a week and, and so I'm probably not going to go seven days a week. I can tell you <laughs> Good that. Good for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, my wife always reminds me that I'm a workaholic, so it's not that I'm going to go zero days a week. Uh, 
So, you know, I really do want to have a chance to spend more time with family and friends and former players, former coaches. I was just up in South Bend the other day. I stopped by to see Marcus and James Laurinaitis and, and uh, you know, just being there for various guys. We have Luke over at Cincinnati and, and uh, PJ up in Minnesota and Mel at Michigan State. And, you know, my nephew is the defensive coordinator for Luke at Cincinnati. And so I don't get a chance to – to be around those guys as much as I would like. And Pat Narduzzi's right over here at Pitt, and I never get to see him. And so, you know, having a chance to see those former coaches, former players, uh, but also continue to be helpful for uh, Youngstown State University, Northeast Ohio, uh, with all of our economic development things we're working on. So I'm not going to be short on activities. I'm just going to have to sort it out. Coach, my uh, longtime radio partner, Dustin Fox, of course, was one of your first recruits at Ohio State. I texted him earlier to say you were coming on, and he is always I, – I didn't get to see the smile today because it was a text, but he always smiles when your name comes up. I'm curious, when you think of all the guys you coached, going back to Dustin, you know, at Ohio State, but even before that, what do you miss, if anything, about being in the locker room? Oh, well, that's what you miss the most is, yeah. is that intimacy of the – of the staff room working, you know, night and day, throwing coffee cups at each other when you're disagreeing about the <laughs> game, you know, being in the locker room and being there for your kids. You know, uh, kids are kids. You know, they go through more things than just on the field. I know we only see them on the field, but, you know, their lives are as complex as anyone else's. And, and so having those intimate conversations, uh, helping them dream about their dreams and, and, try to become the men that you want them to become. So obviously you miss all of that. And, and, and I think I'll have a little bit more time to, to uh, do a little more individual coaching than I have a chance to now. And, and uh, in fact, I just spent this morning from 7 a.m. to 9.15 a.m. with Ryan Shazier and Simon Arias, two of my guys. And, wow. and uh, you know, just talking about their businesses, talking about their lives. And, and uh, you know, so I enjoy – uh, that more than anything, you know, the games were fun and the, you know, the rings are shiny and all that kind of thing. But really the relationships are, are, are what really it's all about. And, and hopefully I'll have a little bit more time to, uh, to continue those relationships and, and, uh, and just be helpful. See if I can add value to the lives of the people who certainly added a lot of value to my life. You know, coach, um, you know, when you got out of coaching, um, you know, there's always that thing where football is inside you. You, you know, you can't just avoid it. You know, you watch it on TV, and, and, and obviously, it's probably something that you still do uh, a lot now. But can you give us a time when it was the closest you've ever thought about coming back to coach? You obviously never really did it, but was there any opportunities or any times when you thought, for you know, maybe even a split second, hey, I should, I might want to go back and get on the sidelines. You know, I suppose we all have those fleeting moments. You know, my beloved Cleveland Browns, there was a time when I thought, wow, gee, I wonder if, you know, that might be a fun thing or, or whatever. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a very good spectator. And, uh, you know, watching uh, games uh, and listening to all the infinite wisdom of the people broadcasting the game sometimes, uh, you know, is a little bit much for me. And, and uh, so, you know, I would either be all in or or really on the outside. And people ask me all the time, well, how are the Buckeyes and what about the Browns? And, you know, how's your YSU team? 
and I've got a hundred people in my president's suite at every home game. I don't have time to see 10 plays, nor do I ever like to comment on things because if you're not at practice, I think that's where people misunderstand coaching more than anything. People say, well, why are we doing this? Well, probably because we learned something at practice, you know, and, and, even though Allen Iverson doesn't think practice is that important, practice uh, <laughs> you know, is really important. And and uh, uh, so, knowing that I'm not at practice, you know, everyone says, "Well, you know, where does Marcus Freeman and, and the Irish need to get better?" Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've watched a couple uh, of their ball games, uh, not start to finish, but bits and pieces. And but I've never been to a practice, and so I don't know. Um, uh, you know, and, and so if you're going to be in coaching, you have to be all in. And, uh, you know, I, I really haven't had that, uh, desire to be all in, uh, other than way back. I think, I think I could have been tempted by the Browns, but, uh, uh, you know, NFL was not something that I had a resume in. And so, you know, it probably didn't make sense anyway, but, uh, uh, you have to decide that you're going to work 120, 130 hours a week, uh, and, uh, you know, after having been at Ohio State, I just didn't feel as if there was another experience that would have been as fulfilling as that one. Coach, if you can go back, you were a quarterback's coach at Miami University in 1979, 1980. If you can go back and tell young coach you one piece of advice after all this time, I know you've learned a lot, but if you could sit yourself down and say one thing to, to you in that year, what, would you, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Oh, boy, 1979 and 80. You know, the hardest part about being at Miami was I had to leave. And, and I guess patience. Uh, I remember talking with my dad, who at the time was very ill, and uh, uh, saying, hey, Dad, I don't know. I, Syracuse wants me to come, and, and Coach McPherson is leaving the Browns and is taking the Syracuse job. But, well, oh, I really love it here at Miami and really gotten to know the players and, and – uh, I think we can be good and, you know, all those kinds of things. And and uh, I remember him saying, well, you know, don't forget that the players are going to graduate too. You have to make good decisions for yourself, which I thought was good advice. But, you know, I think patience in coaching, uh, make sure that you're with the people uh, that really can make a difference for you. I know uh, Tom Reed, who we just lost, he just passed uh, our former Miami head coach, uh, he, he was extraordinary, and Coach Dennison was my first boss as a head coach at Akron, and 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 Coach McPherson. I'm I'm so lucky that I got with people like them. Coach McPherson taught me more about building a program because I went with him his first year at Syracuse, and just to see how methodically he built a program. Little did I know I would get a chance to do that twice at YSU, and then at Ohio State, and and really build a program here as a president uh, of a university. I learned more from Dick McPherson about building programs than anyone I was ever around. So I would give that young coach the advice of, you know, make sure you get with the right people. Wow. You know, coach, we've, we've had a lot of your former players on. We had Anthony Gonzalez on, obviously. Um, he's, uh, you know, served in, in Congress or Capitol Hill. I've always thought this, and a lot of people said, at one point in time in the state of Ohio, you probably could have ran for governor of the state, senator of the state, have you ever seriously considered going into a political career? That I can answer definitively, no. 
<laughs> on the coaching, you know, I had to be honest that I'd had flickers of thought uh, getting back in coaching, but uh, in political office, no, never, <laughs> never a thought. Isn't coaching a little bit political at times, particularly <laughs> in a place like Ohio State? Um, you know, I don't know that it would be political. Yes, you have to fundraise, which, you know, politicians do a lot of fundraising. Um, but, you know, that's the beauty. I think that's why people like sports is that, uh, you know, the, the debate isn't as vague. I mean, you either win or you lose. Uh, there's a scoreboard that's pretty simple. And, you know, if you're a, if you're running the country or running the state, uh, you know, the, the scoreboard is so complex and, you know, it's, it's so hard to decide whether you did a good job or didn't do a good job because there's so much involved and, and really in, in, in uh, really respect for the political public servants, uh, the breadth of what they have to keep in mind. And Anthony Gonzalez has told me this more than once that uh, there's really a lot of great things that go on in Washington, D.C. They don't always get covered that much. It's some of the spectacular uh, stuff that is somewhat divisive that gets covered a lot. But a lot of the good hard work on behalf of the people, he said, there's really a lot of good stuff going on. It's just such a complex organization that, uh, you know, you don't always see that. And, and, and uh, I have to give respect to the people that are willing to, you know, to serve the public. Coach, um, we speaking of your former players, Maurice Claret is is a frequent guest on our show. Unfortunately, he couldn't. He, we wanted to pop him in with you for a couple of minutes, but he has something going on personally, as I'm sure you know. But he does say hi, by the he way, does, Coach. Right, he right, wanted exactly. to make sure I sent that message. He cannot be here, yeah. but he says what's up and hope all is well. But the yeah. turnaround, I'm proud of Maurice. He's done a great around. job. Yeah, Coach, the turnaround in his life after the low, being at the low of the low, to where he is now, putting his life back in order. I just wanted your thoughts on on where he is. And what you think about it you know that's the reality in all of our lives is there's going to be moments where it's going just as you'd hoped and there's going to be moments where you can't believe where it went yeah uh and the same thing in the course of a football game there's going to be moments where it's going the way you hoped and going to be moments where it's going the other direction the key to people that are winners in football is they can handle the ups and downs they don't get too high with the ups or too low with the downs uh, they have a plan uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, they have a belief. And winner, I always say winners win. You know, that's just what winners do. Well, it's the same thing in life. Uh, you know, Maurice, just an extraordinary talent, uh, made a huge impact on Ohio State football. One could argue that him coming to Ohio State uh, at the beginning of this century might have been the single most important thing that turned the the uh, fortunes of Ohio State football uh, where it is today. That if you look at the the seasons from this century, the Buckeyes have always been in the conversation. And uh, his coming to Ohio State and the difference he made might have arguably been as important as anything. Uh, and then, of course, you know, he hit, hit the hard times. He made some decisions. He'd be the first to tell you that he didn't surround himself maybe always with the right people. And uh, But to his credit, he handled his consequences. He made uh, a, a very difficult thing into something that would help him grow. And that when he got his new opportunities, he has run with them. And he's making a difference in a lot of communities. 
He's having an exceptional business career. Uh, his family, his, his daughter's a senior in high school, and, and uh, he's got two little ones now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, life is good, and he's a hardworking guy. He really is. He's a, he's and and he's driven. He's motivated. He's intelligent. And the one thing that stands out about Maurice is what I remember the first time we had him on the show, and I'd had these conversations with him off air, but never in such a public manner. He came in our studio and sat in our studio for two hours. And coach, he put his arms around everything. I mean, there you talk about the low points, and a lot of people, I think, had they gone through those things, would be embarrassed to relive them. He, not that he's proud of them, but he doesn't run from anything. And that's always what stood out to me about Maurice. If you spend any time talking about him, he talks more about those times than his times at Ohio State when he was helping, as you say, rebuild and put on the map again a once national power who had fallen off. What What is it about his makeup, do you think? Um, and, and perhaps other people where there, there's – they're not afraid of, of their past and their low moments, and they, they embrace them. You know, I think real winners, whether it's in life or in, in the game of football, uh, do learn the most through their tough times. You know, I think our 2002 team uh, became national champions because they had some low times in 99, 2000, 2001, and they didn't back down from them. They learned the lessons from them, and they weren't going to be denied. Well, the same can be true uh, for an individual. You know, Maurice doesn't sugarcoat. It, you know, he had some tough times. He, he had some moments that he had to make some decisions as to was he going to learn from what he knows, uh, you know, that wasn't the direction to go. And, you know, you mentioned there at the outset of discussing Maurice's, you know, his intelligence. He's always been intelligent. Uh, his, his drive, he's always had drive. But he had to decide where he was going to apply his intelligence and drive. And so he, he decided, you know what, I want to do it in the proper fashion. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I couldn't be more proud of him, but most of my teams learned their best lessons from their toughest losses. It's just the way it was. Hmm. Most of my best players learned their greatest lessons from the times when they didn't do it well. And they learned the lesson as to, what do I have to do to do this better and become the best I can be? And so I think the human being in general needs to struggle. I think it, it's a need. Yeah. The human being has to decide they're going to handle the struggle. Some people don't handle the struggle. The winner handles the tough times, and Maurice Claretta is a winner. Yeah, it's a Coach, poetic. Um, Obviously, the Glenville football program is an important part of the, the Cleveland community. Ted Ginn Sr. has done such a great job there. Ted Ginn Jr. obviously played at Ohio State, and a lot of Glenville players have played at Ohio State. Can you talk about what that relationship was like uh, between Glenville and, and, and just Cleveland in general as well, and, and the Buckeyes? Well, you know, I've known Ted Sr. for, I don't know, 40 years maybe and maybe 38 years whatever and you know i've always admired the fact that all he wants to do is make a difference in kids lives and uh and he wants to make a difference in kids lives who maybe haven't had as much support uh as some of us have had 
and he spends night and day all he cares about is helping his kids have a chance to make it to to realize their goals and so forth and and uh, you know what he's done with that program since taking over at Glenville and then now his Ginn Academy and and uh, uh, you know the numbers of kids that he has sent on to to have opportunities and and uh, you know he's miraculous in my mind there's mm -hmm. there's not many people who have had the kind of impact uh, in not the easiest situation uh, it's been amazing the pride that it's brought to our Northeast Ohio area, um, the pride that it brought to the Buckeyes, you know, to have so many of those kids. Uh, there was a time when we did a, uh, a uh, total compilation of how many yards, touchdowns, interceptions, uh, wins. You know, we did this whole Glenville thing, and, and I wish I could put my hand on it because it was thousands of yards and points and victories and that the tar blooders were a part of that ohio state that uh, you know i would probably guess no other single high school has had their hand in as much uh production uh, at ohio state as glenville Coach, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I was born in Warren. I went to Warren JFK. I'm familiar with the area. One thing I miss most is the food in that area. Can you give a shout out to a couple of the amazing Youngstown, <laughs> greater Youngstown area restaurants? Where, where do you give me a couple of good restaurants that you enjoy there in Youngstown? Well, you know, if you're up in Warren, of course, you know, Leo's and Burns oh, yeah. and, you know, those types. Uh, I like the Chop House over there at the Avalon uh, Resort. Um, trying to think here up in that area um you know alberini's used to be heck yeah uh, richard alberini's and and uh jimmy sheffo's and and mm. uh, cafe 422 and all those used to be the ones where not all of them are, are still rolling now and then uh, down here in youngstown you know you have aquapazo and you have prima cachina and of course right our our campus restaurant right right behind the campus the mvr which is the Mahoning Valley restaurant and uh, the Golden Dawn. The Golden Dawn is the Ursuline Irish restaurant right near their yep. school. And, and uh, the MVR is the Cardinal Mooney hangout and, uh, and right on the YSU campus. But uh, yeah, one thing we're not short on here is food. Yep. Uh, it's uh I miss you know, it all. I, I just wanted to hear that list again. Thank you very much. coach. <laughs> Appreciate it. Mike's hungry now. Yeah. 13 years, three years as an assistant and 10 as a head coach. And there's hundreds and hundreds uh, of, of restaurants there. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure that from traditional, uh, especially Italian food, yeah, Italian. Mm -hmm. that per capita restaurants, um, the Youngstown Warren area is, is pretty pretty tough what to happened eat. was we always used to be mobbed out there but then sort of the mob got busted to a degree and then everybody just had to learn how to cook so we're like now well we can still cook and now that they, they, they it's a cuisine an italian cuisine based economy and i love it anyways i miss it my best to uh, alberini's yeah we you know it's interesting i've been here since 1986 i took a 14-year hiatus away from here but uh, you know everyone brings up the mob and all that kind of thing and in my uh, 36 years around here, I, I wouldn't, if I bumped into someone that was a part of the mob, I didn't know it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's folklore or what it is, but 
I keep hearing that, but have never seen it. Glorified <laughs> yesteryear. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Coach, before we let you go, I think we have to get your thoughts on, on NIL. Yeah. And I know that's a broad topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you probably have some pretty strong thoughts on that. Is the game better today because of that? Where is the future of the NIL? What are your general thoughts about it? You know, I think it's it's so early in the discussion. I, I think that, you know, we kind of did it to ourselves in that as revenue began skyrocketing in intercollegiate athletics, uh, for whatever reason, we chose not to have the student athletes take part in the uh, in the spoils. Uh, and then all of a sudden when it got so out of hand and started getting so much attention that it kind of exploded. And I think the NCAA is in the midst of this whole transformation discussion and uh, all of those types of things. I think there'll be a lot take shape here in the next year or two. I don't know what it'll be. Uh, you know, you have to uh, be a little bit careful. Some people are saying, well, maybe we need federal intervention. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how well federal's worked out for us uh, <laughs> right now. But, uh, uh, you know, so I don't know. You know, it, it's, I, I will say this. I wish 50 years ago, mm. 40 years ago, as the revenue started growing, that we would have put some really smart people in the room and figured out a way to anticipate how the student athlete could have been more a part of that. You know, whether it would have been annuities or, or things put back or just different things so that we didn't get to this moment, but we're at this moment and it's a little bit of the wild, wild west. Um, I'm not sure all the different impact it's going to have because you know, the major, major schools are going to be raising lots of money, which, uh, you know, will that impact their ability of their university to raise money for the general university? I don't know. Will it impact your ability to raise funds for the athletic department that you normally used to have to raise? But they'll say, well, no, I'm investing in the NIL. Uh, so I think it's a little bit too early. I think a lot of people are working hard to try to figure it out. Um, nothing would surprise me in terms of the future, uh, all the way from the NCAA figuring it out to the NCAA disappearing. I don't know. I mean, you could have, you could go a lot of different directions and, and, uh, uh, so, but I think people to their credit are working extremely hard, vetting it, talking about it, trying to figure out how we can, uh, uh, do things fairly, properly. Uh, uh, have the the right kind of restrictions and and uh, but you know I'd say stay tuned. The, the NIL discussion is not over. Yeah, that's for sure. Before we let you go, our producer Mikey McNuggets has a question for you. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Coach. Thanks for joining the show. I was unfamiliar with the uh, Youngstown State mascot till I saw your quarter zip. That that penguin's awesome. My question though is. You meet a lot of people and what you do, and you've met a lot of people throughout your years. I'm going to pull up a picture in a sec. I'm curious. Did you know who you were taking a picture with here, or is this just some random guy who asked you for a picture? Let's take the tag board here. Do you know this man? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's Tyvis from Bedford. <laughs> you just made Tyvis' life, Coach. 
What's that? You just made his life. Tyvis is part of the show, and he uh, sent oh, us this out. picture. And yeah. He, no, uh, I, you know what? Fanny. I had seen Tyvis. That night I saw him. That was at the 100-year birthday of Ohio Stadium. And I hadn't seen Tyvis since, I think, maybe um, spring of 2011. So that was, you know, 11 years or so. And, you know, when he came up, I thought, man, I, that handsome young man, I, I, I feel like I know him. And then when he reached his hand out, I thought, man, he was one of the last guys I recruited at Ohio State. And uh, <laughs> I'm so proud of him. And, and uh, he's looking good and doing good. Wow, from Dustin Fox to Tyvis Powell. Yeah. And everybody in between. We're never going to hear the end of that, Coach. Let me give you a Dustin Fox story because yes. anytime people bring up Dustin Fox, uh, the first thing that flashes in my mind, as you say, he was, I think, the first guy I called after I became the, the head coach uh, at Ohio State, or at least one of the first. Um, and I remember my daughter's high school team was Boardman High School, and they were playing against uh, Canton Glen Oak in the basketball uh, season at the time. It was in January. And uh, uh, it was a league game. And we had Terrence Dials at Boardman, who ended up playing at Ohio State. And Dustin, of course, was playing uh, for Glen Oak. And so I told my daughter, I said, hey, tell me how that Fox kid looks. Because, you know, he's going to have to face up against Terrence Dials and so forth. And I'd say about quarter after seven, uh, after the game started, my phone rang and it was my daughter. And she said, you're not gonna believe this, but Dustin Fox just dunked on Terrence Dials. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta get this guy (laughs) because Dustin could jump about 42 inches. He was extraordinary. He was an incredible athlete and I, had you not gone to Ohio State, Dustin probably would have ended up at Penn State. Hmm. Well, that's where Derek ended up. Yep. You know, and, and had a good career. And yep. and uh, I don't know. I think Dustin. Mm, I think Dustin would have had a hard time not going to Ohio State. It was but, close. You know, it was close. I'll, I'll, I'll take credit for that. You know, as a president, <laughs> I don't get credit much lately. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, Thanks, Coach. you know what? Anybody that followed Ohio State football while you were there, they know what, what, what time it was, and they know that you were instrumental in turning that thing around and putting it uh, in a place where it could succeed. Look where Miami is For now. so many years. Yeah, absolutely. Look where Miami's gone. It can, yeah. go, it can go one way or another. And, uh, Coach, uh, as a lifelong Buckeye fan, it's always great to talk to you. So appreciative of, of what you did for the Ohio State University. And enjoy retirement. It's okay to take your foot off the gas. Relax and smell the roses. Thanks, Coach. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Coach. The great Jimmy Russell on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. I remember I wasn't sure about Jim when they hired him. Youngstown State, I knew he'd had a lot of success there, but the question I asked was, it's one thing to do it at 1AA. It was at the time 1AA. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think this is a job that requires someone that's done it at the Division I level. I was hoping they would go get either an up-and-coming young coach from one of the power fives that right, made right. noise. And what put me over the top, and I never wavered after this, was when he was introduced game. at St. John Arena, and he grabbed the mic at halftime, yep. and he said, you're going to be proud of these men in the classroom, 
and 308 days or whatever the number was, you're going to be proud of them on the field. Yes, that at, was amazing. Up in Ann Arbor. And I was like, whoa. That fired everybody up. This dude yeah. just wrote a check. I'm not sure he can cash. <laughs> because the team was not very good. The no. John Cooper years at the end were a little lean. Mm-hmm. And, and the, Dustin just, was going to go to Penn State. That's amazing and to Jim, hear that. And then Jim, Jim Tressel called him. He's like, I'm going to Ohio State. And Jim had that effect <laughs> on a lot of kids that were on the fence. Yeah. And I think you know what 17-year-old boys like. They like that. Yeah. That braggadocious oh, yeah. confidence and a lot of kids heard that around the state and might have been thinking about Michigan fired up. or Miami or Florida State and they said wow I want to go take whatever hill that guy's taking yeah, yeah. and really he had immediate success long-term success I hate the way his time at Ohio State ended Thought it it seems so silly now, doesn't injustice it? That he lost his job because of that. Well, that's why I wanted to it's ask the so NIL absurd. question. And you know what was interesting was he never pertained it to him. I wish they would have had that when right. I was there. Nah, he went back that, as he yeah. should have mm-hmm. to when college football really became the cash cow yeah. 40 years ago and said, I wish they would have been more fair and equitable to the players. So then. ridiculous. You what think, a classy you think guy. Think about what yep. he lost his job for. It's insane. Just, just insane. It's ridiculous. From you know, one legend to another, you guys, we've got one on the line right now. Yeah, that's absolutely.